Morning, morning, church. Some, we're good on this one, right? I can put this one right under my chin. Yeah, okay. I've got no microphone technique, so I need to figure out which one's the right one that I can stick under my chin. Um, I might take a moment and just uh, pray for our community. I was uh, reading... Some of you are joining in in Lectio 365, and today's passage was, um, uh, this is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for yourselves. Um, I'm going to take a moment and just pray for our community, because um, there seems to be a lot of people sick. Um, RSV is kicking into high gear. Influenza has been really bad this season. Um, interest rates about to spike. And I think there's a lot of families that are feeling the pinch of that financially. And I think there is a, a yearning to find that shalom. So let's pray, hey? Uh, Lord, that we might search and find those ancient paths. Lord, that we might find that rest for ourselves. Lord, that we might be peacemakers within our community. Uh, Lord, and where interest rates threaten uh, unsettling times for our community, Lord, that we can speak your peace. Lord, where we can't see the way forward or know the path, Lord, um, that we know that you are at work and that we can trust and walk with you. Lord, that you might give insight uh, for our community as to ways to w- which we can speak peace, to discover peace and find rest for our souls. Uh, Lord, pr- pray for those who are sick right now. I think of Anthony. I think of my own kid. Uh, Lord, that you bring healing and restoration. Lord, for those in our community right now who are sick, Lord, we ask that you just bring healing and restoration, that you be Jehovah Rapha great healer and so lord we we cling to that uh lord and as we as we spend some time unpacking uh some of your sacraments lord that you might give us wisdom uh, lord that you might speak to our souls about the very reason why we do communion today uh and lord that you might uh establish once again anew the covenant in our hearts that you formed with Jesus dying on the cross for us. Amen. I um, I was working through this week uh, an idea because w- we're, a, we're a Church of Christ church and one of the distinctives of the Church of Christ church is we do communion like every single week. Has everyone noticed that? Like, right? Every single week without fail, we get up and we do communion. And if, if you're kind of aware of the subtleties of it, is most of the time I don't lead communion. Someone else leads communion. Yeah? You, that's also a distinctive of the Church of Christ Church. And I'm going to unpack a little bit about the history around that, okay? So churches of Christ are kind of born out of a Presbyterian-style movement, okay? And in that movement, 
you used to have a coin. I don't have a coin because we're a cashless society. Um, but you used to have a token, a coin, and that coin was representative of you being a member of a church that entitled you to take communion. So when communion came about in church, you, you would have to present your token so that you could partake in communion. And if you didn't have a token, you were not allowed to take communion. Stay in your chair. And so uh, two guys in the movement, uh, Stone Campbell is our kind of the his history. They're the two important characters in the movement said, hey, I always felt that Team Jesus here, that expression, that sacrament was designed for everybody. Anybody who wants to partake in communion should be able to come forward and take communion. And, and these coins were so significant. People, when they would die, would get buried with their coin. Just in case someone else wants to nick your coin, it's going to the grave with me. That's how big a deal this was, okay? And so these guys come out, diverse church backgrounds. They come together and they say, what does it look like for us to establish something different? And an invitation exists for anyone, anywhere, to come forward and take communion. Okay? Now, as part of that, um, they established this kind of unifying movement, which, you know, uh, there's, there's no creed, but Christ, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. But purposefully, they say, we're, we're not going to use the coin anymore. That invitation is for everyone. Not only that... Um, they established something along the lines of, as they start to build this movement, um, a president. The president presides over the service, okay? And that loses its rhythm along the way and becomes something completely different. But that the heartbeat of what they were trying to do with the president was to say, we are not a paid priest-led movement, ordained priest-led movement, okay? So if I'm the ordained priest... One of the establishments within the Church of Christ is to say, no, 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 this is, a, this, is a, this is a people of God movement. And so we can be laity-led. And laity-led is just you guys sitting down there, right? And so what we try and do is we try and have people who are not me come up and lead stuff all the time. And I'm not because I don't like working, but my heartbeat is to see as many possible people who are not in paid capacity as a priest come up here and lead community because just to let you in on something we don't need a papal blessing from the paid pastor to do kingdom of god stuff the invitation is open to everyone and and so one of the things i wanted to talk through today is this idea of sacraments okay so we, we've got communion eucharist the lord's supper same thing that's what we're doing and I wanted to talk through over the next three weeks the sacraments. Now, universally, there's only two. Easy up. Ease up, Athlete. Getting to the third. Two. Communion baptism. Okay? No, no, no. Ease up. I'm going to explain it in a second. Calm down. We're getting there. My goodness, you can't steal the punchline. You don't lead with Darth Vader's Luke's father. You unpack that at the end of Act 2. Uh, yeah, sorry, he is. 
So within the movement of churches, there's a whole bunch of different sacraments, okay? And everyone has a different view on those sacraments. But if we were to go right to the very baseline and say, what are the two universal sacraments that every church seems to get on the same page about? There's communion and baptism, okay? So we're going to look at communion this week, baptism the next week, and then the rest the third week, okay? Does that make sense? Because what we see in Scripture is an expression of communion that comes up regularly. So Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have a reference to baptism, okay? Matthew 26 uh, 26 to 29, Mark 14, 22 to 25, and Luke 22, 19 and 20. And they all kind of say the same thing. So Luke... uh, 22, 19 and 20 says, And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and giving it to him, he said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for me. Okay? Luke 24, 30 to 35. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight, asking each other, um, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? Okay, so so we have an establishment after Christ's resurrection that he does this practice again. Acts 2, 42 to 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, Then everyone was filled in awe. There was many signs and miraculous wonders were done by the apostles and the believers were together and had everything, right? 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 26. um, In following the directives, I have no praise for you for your meetings to uh, do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that you come together as a church. There's divisions amongst you and to some extent, I believe it, no doubt there were some differences among you. He goes on to say in this passage that one of the establishments was this this meal, this formational meal that you have together, but the rich ones of you run to get there, eat all of it up, and then when the poor ones and the slaved ones get there, there's, there's nothing left over. That's not the purpose of it. The invitation is extended to everyone equally, okay? So then we come into this, and what happens is the church starts to grow, and we keep on coming back to these rhythms of Scripture and saying, well, well, what are the unifying rituals that we can do together to affirm covenantal relationship with Christ Jesus? And everyone seems to go, communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, same difference, seems to sit at the center of what we do. And is really important. It's it's a weekly type event that is designed to unify a community and speak to grace. So God's grace poured out for us. Now, part of that is that there are different views on the power of sacrament. Okay? So, first point. First view. Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholics, Lutherans, and many high Anglicans see the sacrifice as genuinely containing grace, okay? Although although these groups agree that the sacraments are vehicles for grace, 
there are significant differences uh, regarding how they conceptualize this. Okay, nevertheless, they all agree that baptism literally forgives sins and regenerates those who receive it. Okay, um, likewise, in these theological traditions, I'm reading smarter people than me, by the way, these are not my own words. Um, uh, the whole Christ, that is the body and the blood together with his soul and his divinity are truly, really and substantially contained within the Eucharist meal and this meal communicates forgiveness of sins. So, so Averill, Catholic, um, when you took communion, there was some idea of a transubstantiation of Christ's blood and Christ's body in here, which means if I pick this up and spill it, it's a big deal. You're right? So we've got to do a whole special practice to clean it up. That's the first view, okay? Because Christians like to disagree. Second view. Let's whip it all the way to the other side, okay? The second view of the sacraments is that they are purely symbolic, okay? This is a position held by Ulrich Zwingli, the Zwingli prophets, in the 16th century, okay, uh, Anabaptists also have this, um, and then the Baptists picked it up, Anglo-American evangelism, uh, evangelicalism picks it up, and the understanding is they are symbols, they do not contain grace, but rather sacraments are means by which Christians can testify amongst themselves that they have received God's grace and are members of the church, okay, symbolic, still important still a unifying practice but does not contain this this uh body and blood of christ like the first view would view it the third view is okay <laughs> let's be real and see if we can find some middle ground okay the sacraments might be described as a spiritualistic view this is a calvinist tradition anglicans methodists hold to this interpretation the stance is often represented by a middle position between the two. Okay, according to this conception, the sacraments are real signs of grace. Um, God does not communicate his grace to believers apart from the sacraments and the word. Nevertheless, the sacraments do not themselves contain real grace. When true elect believers participate in the sacrament, Christ is present in them, working in their hearts and their minds through the mediation of the Holy Spirit. So there's some power for those who believe in Christ Jesus, but there's not the kind of divine spiritual revelation of the body and blood of Christ being present. Does that make sense? So which one's important? They're all. They're all important. Okay? View, view one, view two, view three. Great. You should have a view. Um, they exist to unify believers. Okay, and we've been, we've been debating this forever. Um, in fact, uh, Augustine does a whole bunch of research on it and comes to, he's kind of the first theologian who grapples with the idea of sacraments. And then Peter Lombard in the Fourth Lateran Council, this is 1215 now, sets down and says, okay, we've got seven sacraments. And those seven sacraments are baptism, confirmation, the Lord's Supper, penance, marriage, ordination, priesthood, and last rites. There's your seven. Okay? 
as Protestant church says, we, we're, we're going to kind of, for the most part, hold to two, but they're the seven that they came up with in the 12th century. They've been arguing about them ever since. So what do we do with it? What do we do with communion? Well, communion for me has two distinct qualities. The first part of that quality is a covenant-making rite. Through Jesus' body and blood, we enter into a relationship with Jesus that we confirm every week. Right? We we are, sorry, affirm every week. There is an affirming quality to saying, yes, I will take the juice and I will take the cracker and I am affirming with my community of believers that we are in a covenantal relationship with Jesus. What is the promise that Jesus is making? Well, Jesus is making a promise that he is reestablishing a relationship with God. We are now... uh, uh, imputed with his righteousness so so when god looks at us he sees the imputed righteousness of christ jesus boom and so we take that now as sons and daughters of the most high and we now have a relationship with god and eternity is our destination which is the second part of this the second part is the anticipation of the coming reign of christ jesus Okay, so we take communion as a way to affirm that covenantal relationship that we now have with Jesus and to affirm an anticipation of the return of Jesus, which sometimes gets lost. Week to week, we can just, you know, hey, this is body and blood of Christ Jesus done in remembrance of him and we look that way. But the way that this is supposed to be taken is this is the body and blood of Christ broken for me with an affirmation to his return. So then I started thinking about this because this this then comes down to this idea of I feel like I'm giving lecture more than I am giving a is it, do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, there was a lot of data going in my brain and I was just like, okay. So this then comes down to this idea of cornonia, which is fellowship or community koinonia okay that's the greek word because i got to show that I, I do know a little bit of greek um what do, what does fellowship mean as it connects to communion okay so then bear with me on this one because this is a big thought and i might be wrong so dr lloyd if you want to step in you can what if as a unifying principle communion and the sacraments that we hold to connect past present and future believers together at the same time okay so bear with me because this is how my brain works and it's a bit scatterbrained so you have to hang who is present in the beginning before everything is created god right He's over the waters, for want of a better term. Um, He's there before anything begins. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm building the Red 5 Lego set, okay? That's Luke Skywalker's helmet, for those of you who don't know. 
and I'm thinking to myself, I existed before the box was made and the Lego within that box. And then I formed the Lego helmet and I put it on the shelf. But I am present before the Lego set is made and I'm present after the Lego set is made and during the whole process of it, okay? And so if Yahweh exists outside of the boundaries of time, and space because he forms time and space this is this is how my brain's working okay then therefore the significance of the sacrament however they are practiced and expressed is as a unifying moment past present and future for believers to affirm their covenantal relationship with jesus with an anticipation of his return So when we take communion, we stand in the same moment as Augustine taking communion in an affirmation of Christ's return. So we kind of, transdimensionally isn't the word because we're not moving through reality, but through time, we stand united with all believers for all time. So there's power in what it what it is. That for me is like like goosebump moment. Is that we stand on the shoulders of those who are now with the Lord in eternity, and not only that, hundreds of years from now, we stand with believers who take communion for the same expression as we do right now, which is why we do it weekly. So. So there are moments where I sit there and I go, um, I'm struggling to take communion today because a covenantal affirmation means that there are, there are promises that I am making to the Lord to say, I, I, I no longer live the way I want to live, but I live the way that Christ lives in me. That's big. It, it requires a moment to pause and think, do I want to affirm that? And then secondly, I take communion because I delight in the notion, no matter how broken it is now, the impending reign and return of Christ brings me joy. Where things will be made right, where things will be made anew, where justice will be poured out and we can delight in the return of the King. Yeah? So, there is also a connection in this to Passover, which is, this is side point, but I still think it's important, is that sometimes I think we go, um, uh, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, is Passover. They're one and the same, right? So, this, this is kind of <sighs> not entirely true. So, um, the fulfillment of Christ Jesus' death is the ultimate passover sacrifice okay so that that is true in fact if you read the chronology of things when christ dies on the cross he dies roughly at the same time that they would sacrifice the passover lamb to have for the passover feast okay so jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that but the lord's supper for all the scholarly research seems to say that that was a weekly event and the Passover feast and the, con uh, the 
eating of the lamb with bitter herbs was still an annual event. So they're not mutually exclusive, but they're not the same thing. So, so you should still have, if you wanted to have Passover meal, it's kind of nice. It's good. Um, but it's not the same as um, Lord's Supper. So why, why is all of this important? Like why show up on a Sunday and have a huge message about communion? Because it's just a ritual, right? But rituals are things that unite us. We do ritual practices as a way to remind us that we stand unified as a people of God. To remind us of the grace that God gives regularly and repeatedly to us week after week, month after month, year after year. I love the idea of covenantal renewal and affirmation. We are reminded weekly by Christ's commitment to us in covenantal relationship and we therefore affirm that relationship that we, yes, Lord, we stand under your rule and your leadership. And then the last thing, and I think this is probably kind of one of those historic moments within Churches of Christ, but there's, there's this central figure of Christ this, that, that we try and place continually at the epicenter of everything we do, right? Make following Jesus the center of what we do. Is that the Lord's Supper allows us to put Jesus right in the very center of everything say he's the reason why we're here he's the reason why you have an invitation to come forward and take communion you don't need a coin there's not a delineation between me and you paid pastoral person regular person we are all positionally exactly the same before christ jesus And that gives me joy, is that I think uh, regardless of whatever the geopolitical climate is, whether or not uh, entire suburbs are going to be in economic room, ruin because interest rates are going to spike and no one can afford their, ha- their mortgages anymore, is that on a Sunday we can come together And we partake in communion and we affirm that we're in a relationship with Jesus and he's coming back. And gosh, that brings me some joy. (laughs) Yeah, it starts to be an anchor for my soul. And so, um, Lord, I want to invite you and Pam up to lead us in worship. We save communion for the end because I felt like a 35-minute explanation of what we're doing was really important, but... It becomes central to what we do on a Sunday. It becomes an essential quality of the practice of keeping Jesus at the center of what we do. Because it's all about him. His covenantal promises to us. And our response to that by taking communion is what today is about. And if you call on Jesus as Lord and King, I want to invite you to come forward take communion, reflect on those promises, eat the cracker, drink the juice in memory of his body and his blood broken and poured out for us and affirm that today and I pray for us.
God, you are gracious, you are loving, and you are kind. And in this moment, Lord, we stand with other believers, past, present, and future. And Lord, we take the juice and we take the body and we reflect on you and what was broken and poured out on the cross to open a door anew, a relationship anew. That we are your sons and we are your daughters. And eternity is our destiny destination come lord jesus come and reign over all the earth amen in your own time come forward grab some juice grab a cracker take it back to your seat and when you're ready take that and then after a couple of minutes we're going to sing together